Hey, my name is Zach, and this is the Plaid Jacket Philosopher, the podcast for tradespeople and the blue-collar middle class. I'm open to punch a few holes in the stereotypes that surround blue-collar workers and hopefully share a lot of the stories behind how we got into our line of work and the honest joy you can get from working outside of the office space. The plan is to mix in interviews as well as some solo stories from job sites, fatherhood, and personal experiences that led me to where I am today. Some will be funny, some will be personal, but hopefully any and all content here can help broaden what your opinion is of the blue-collar middle class. So today I'm here with Mark. I know last week I had actually said that I was going to simulcast our interview from his podcast, but then I realized he did such a good job interviewing me. He made at least the first 45 minutes specifically about me, and that would be boring as hell to you guys who have already heard half of those stories. So I'm going to interview him this time and we'll kind of, yeah, you can get to know him and hopefully check out his podcast as well. We'll plug it, I'm sure, a few times here. But anyway, Mark, I'll give you the floor for a few seconds here and kind of introduce yourself. Hey, how's it going? So my name is Mark. I, uh, I run a podcast called Hey Mark. It's basically formed around the ideas that no matter what we go through, you are not alone. Uh, focusing around mental health and self-development. But my day job is as a, a apprentice carpenter. And that's actually how Zach and I met. We met on a job site that we're currently working on. And Zach's wrapping up there. He's, he's very happy about that. Thank but God. it is... Uh, yeah, thank God is right, man. It is as Jack or as Zach said last week, the job site from hell. It is. <laughs> it's not fun. We run into a lot of uh, headaches there, but it's a great learning experience. I, I'd say for myself and a good character building experience for Zach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not there's not a house you could really pick to uh, to be more challenging from your end. I mean, we're working with a house that's what a hundred years old. It was built in the twenties. And uh, nothing is square, nothing is level, concrete's all sunken in. So yeah, there's nothing else that'll really test your, your mathematical skills as, a, as a, a, a carpenter, hey man? Yeah, man, a lot of calculations I'm not used to. And uh, it's funny, you think like you're, uh, you're like double checking everything with your speed square really quick before you cut everything. And then you get to the, the point where you want to put it in and you're like, Oh yeah, nothing is square in this house. <laughs> I know, and it always seems to come as a shock every time. I, I'm I'm with you too. Drilling through all those beams, all that reinforcement, it's been a, a pain. It's a bear to say the least. So I was going to start by kind of asking kind of what, what got you into the trade originally? Yeah, so I guess... I, uh, I didn't have like the same kind of apprenticeship program in my high school that you did actually in my mind, it was the, uh, auto body or the auto shop. So I never actually got into it. Then I did work summers for my dad, uh, just as like general labor as a teenager, but I always hated it. Actually, I couldn't stand it at all. At all. I hated it because I was kind of doing a lot of similar work I'm doing through my apprenticeship actually which is just uh, general labor half the time. You end up just kind of carrying things around for people, moving materials around for people. And uh, you're pretty much the job site. Ooh, am I allowed to swear on here? Yeah, you can. Yeah, it's... Yeah. it's you're yeah, pretty much the job site bitch. Like, that's kind of how <laughs> you roll. And I always make the joke that you just kind of have to show up with a good attitude. Otherwise, people just get pissed off with you. Like, so... I, uh, I was kind of the bitch the whole time and I ended up leaving with the trade. I ended up wanting to kind of become like the, the quote unquote entrepreneur. I tried running my own business. I got a job in sales for a while and then I quit there and tried to get a job like part time at a restaurant and then kind of running online businesses again. And 
it just, I, I just kept losing money, losing money, losing money. And then COVID hit and the restaurant got shut down. And I was pretty much at a point where I was like, okay, I can burn through my savings or I can try and find something new to do. And I had gone to school actually for my first couple levels for carpentry right out of high school. But like I said, I didn't like being a bitch. So I ended up leaving. Yep. Coming back, I kind of had like the background knowledge, like the book skills and, mm-hmm. and kind of the, like the intro to carpentry. Like if I were to work on a huge site, like basically how to build like basic forms, strip forms, and then do basic framing. But yeah. sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say that it's interesting that you said that nowadays you're still doing kind of the same work that you hated back in the day. So a lot of it's just kind of been a, a change up to your mindset. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was going to say nothing that I really learned in school is like too, too applicable to what I'm doing. Like I do do a bit of framing like mm-hmm. you've seen, yep. but it, a lot of the time, a lot of what we learned was not applicable. And in the last year, maybe two years, I've just kind of grown a little bit more appreciation for being able to just do work with your hands after working for so long in a gym and just doing sales and sitting at a desk all day. Yeah. I really actually like, I kind of crave the labor sometimes now, especially like today where the first half I was kind of frustrated. Yeah. At least when you're doing labor, it's just kind of like, you know exactly what to do. You know what a good job looks like because you've moved X material to a different (laughs) spot. Yeah, you can physically see that what, what your progress is. And it's it's funny because I know we touched on this on your podcast, but that idea of just being able to do something with your hands, like, and you brought up the example of your friend needed help with a bifold door and they were going to call somebody in to fix it. And you're like, man, like, you don't even need any new parts. Like, it t- takes you 30 seconds, pop it all back into place, reset everything, and you're good to go. Like, I think that's I think that's a really awesome lesson. And it's kind of cool that your mindset's shifted on just having those, those basic abilities with your hands. Yeah. And just being able to, like, we were actually about, we were, I was about to say this right before we started recording, we were kind of talking about this, but I think that sometimes I, I kind of do my best thinking when my body's busy. So yeah. like when I'm just doing mindless, like kind of something that I already know how to do and my brain doesn't have to be super present. Yep. I do my best thinking at that time because my body's already kind of exerting my extra energy. I feel like. Yeah. I, th- you know what? I feel the exact same way. Like we do, we do a lot of what are called aluminum to copper connections. So basically where we're revamping, redoing all the connections in an aluminum house. Uh, it's a big fire hazard. So anyway, it, it takes a bunch of, it's a diff- bunch of different uh, safety procedures and we convert everything to copper pigtails, but it's the same thing. It's a really monotonous kind of mindless job. And I, I have the exact same experience. That's kind of when I get a lot of my better brainstorming and thinking done where I'm just kind of jotting down notes, whatever in my notepad at work for things. I mean, nowadays it's all for the podcast, but um, before it was, you know, for whatever kind of endeavor or challenge I was trying to move towards. Um, That's interesting because I have the exact same experience as you. Yeah. I used to only find it like I thought it was when I was working out and I realized after like, it's just, I don't know, maybe you're similar to me. Even when I have to sit still, I don't know if you're seeing me right now. I'm kind of like fiddling with different things. Yeah. When I have to sit still, it kind of, uh, it kind of slows down my thinking almost. Yeah. When I'm, I'm, when I'm able to move around, when I'm able to exert energy and I'm just kind of moving around my brain, I feel like can formulate thoughts a lot easier and I just have ideas much quicker. 
I'm the same way. My only struggle is then trying to jot them down because if, if I'm in the middle of something and I don't write it down, I'm going to lose it. Like I, I, I don't have a good working memory that way. Um, mm. But yeah, I'm, I'm completely the same way as you. And what we were going to kind of talk about today is, I mean, roughly we'll go off on tangents here and there, but is kind of keeping that balance with work. I know that you've mentioned to me in the past that you uh, you journal. I know that I see it on your social media feed that you're up really early running, uh, working out, whatever it is. And I, I kind of have the same thing. I generally go through a bit of cycles. Like I don't have a ton of time after work. It's kind of as soon as I get home, I spend time with the kids, dinner, bath time, bedtime. And then I'm usually passed out within half an hour of them. So I kind of use my mornings the same way. Lately, it's kind of been, I've been cycling, like doing more into reading in the morning, just because I don't always have time to read and the gym. But I mean, this morning I was back at the gym and I'm trying to get back into that more as well. It's just trying to find a balance between reading and actually working out. But maybe we could go into the kind of things that you do to try to keep yourself mentally sane or to just find that balance in your life. Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough, man. And a lot of the times it's just kind of saying no to a lot of things that seem really tempting. And it's kind of, it sounds kind of weird to say this, but like sometimes you just got to tell your buddies like, Hey man, I'm not going to chill out tonight. And I'm kind of saying this, like if you're working like, you know, like 50 plus 60 plus hours a week. Right. Yep. At that point, or maybe you're busy that much, right? Like obviously you have children, you're reading as well. So it's not just like a 40 hour week, man. Like it's yeah. definitely not. And I feel like a lot of the time you have to say no to a lot of things that are tempting. Like if you are, your friends want to hang out or go for dinner or something like that, then you might want to just kind of pull yourself back from things that are kind of more short term. And you know what? Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting that you already have that mindset because I never did before I had kids. Like I, I would never say that I had like FOMO, like fear of missing out, but I just didn't have that ability to say no. Um, mm. like I would just, I would just kind of roll with it, deal with it, change out my schedule based on whatever was kind of coming at me. Um, but now with kids, you're forced to say no, <laughs> like yeah. people will be like, Hey man, do you want to go out? I'm like, no, like my kids are going to bed or my, my kids are sick or, you know, whatever it is like that. So it's interesting that you at least already have that mindset in place that you are able to say no. I, I can't say that I had that before having kids. I think it was working as much as I did. Mm -hmm. Uh, just like, uh, I, I guess it wasn't even as long that long, but I was just working seven days a week for a few months. Like it was just like maybe like three months. And when you're working that much, you just kind of start to see like what your actual values are in life. And then you just start saying yes to those things mainly. And you start, so like, it's obvious for you, like your kids, your wife, like those are things that you're going to prioritize a lot more for me right now. I just want to like learn as much as I possibly can. So work is easier for me. Mm -hmm. and make more money like those are kind of my two goals right now so that's all i'm trying to think about yeah and i think that's i mean you know a lot of people will say that it's all about kind of finding happiness or whatever like finding your dream job but i'm completely with you like when i was through kind of that age of my mid-20s all it was focused on was trying to trying to get ahead like i mean it's sometimes it's at my own downfall but i like to try to plan ahead um Sometimes again, like I end up sacrificing the future. I don't necessarily notice all the things that are going on around me at once. But, um, but that's, that was my mentality through my mid twenties as well. It's just trying to move ahead, try to plan, try to, for me, it was trying to get a down payment down for a house or whatever it was at the time. 
Um, but yeah, I can totally relate to that. And I think that's, I think that's awesome. I mean, I've said it before that I don't think there's any point in spending too, too much time, like searching for that dream job. Cause if you're, as long as you have a job that fuels your dream life, like that's the ideal outcome to me. That's what I'm looking for is something that'll fuel my life outside of work. Yeah. And the other thing that I kind of didn't realize about this industry a lot when I was just kind of working as a laborer was I didn't understand a, how fulfilling it could be to be able to build things and be able to fix things. Like we were kind of talking about last week, how, how like it builds your self-confidence, it builds your self-worth. Totally. But I also didn't understand as well how scalable this business actually is. I thought like, you know, for myself, it was just like collect a higher wage and that's like the best bet I could get. Yeah. But then I realized how it, it's, it's kind of cool to watch, especially like my foreman as well, to be able to sh- watch him teach somebody. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of inspiring to me almost because I actually, I want to be able to do that for other people as well. And then I've realized like, you know, if you've got like a team of apprentices, you could start your own business. Oh yeah. And not to mention, I mean, the way that it works, if you're in the position of like GC general contractor, you're making money off me doing my job too. So I mean, like it's definitely a scalable business plan. It's something that, yeah, I don't think gets enough talk about it. I mean, I know we talked about it on your podcast too, but one person who I found was really inspiring growing up was Mike Rowe and his show Dirty Mm -hmm. Jobs. But that was the first show that I realized kind of shone a light on this sector on the quote unquote dirty jobs today, be it construction, you know, plumbing, electrical, whatever, farming. But he just kind of shone a light on all these people are making a great living wage. Sure, they drive around a pickup truck. They don't drive around a Lamborghini, but they're making a great living wage and much higher than average. And I just I loved the fact that he kind of shone a light on that. And because nobody else was before that. And I think you're picking up on the exact same thing as well. Yeah, there's uh, well, there's a lot of money to be made and there's a lot of fulfillment that you actually get from, well, like, you know, better than I do because you've seen it happen more than I have, but there's a lot of fulfillment you get when you actually help out with someone's house, when they're kind of either in a jam or they just want to create a better space. And it's kind of like, there is something really fulfilling about that. man. Oh man, uh, like absolutely. You'll notice it kind of on the finish of this job, like your first kind of big finish as it all wraps up and it comes together. It's beautiful. Like you'll, then you'll be able to really look at like the before pictures and the after pictures. And then you really get that sense of accomplishment, like what you've built. And like I've said it before on another episode that I mean, a lot of the time, residential, electrical, commercial, electrical is pretty repetitive, pretty monotonous. I mean, you know, there's there's not a lot of diversity in the work. But what my favorite my favorite part of my job nowadays is service calls. And it's because you get that kind of instant gratification from the customers, like especially when it's a troubleshooting job like, oh, hey, my lights don't work. Or I had one I had one two weeks ago where it was like. Uh, this person's entrance lights and their exterior lights. So it's been pitch black. And now that sun's going down earlier, obviously it's darker as they're getting home from work. They have no light in the front of their house. So they called us in and they said, Oh, these lights haven't worked for six months. Like we've tried everything didn't work. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, in 45 minutes, I've got the connection figured out. One of the wires came loose. It's just tracking it down. Everything's working again. And you just see like, the joy on their face, like how thankful they are too. like, it's not very often that you get tips in like trades and the like service industry, 
But every time that I get a tip, it's from something like that. It's from somebody who's, you know, tried everything they could. They've YouTubed everything they could to try to fix their problem. And then within, you know, 15 minutes to an hour, it's all fixed. Everything's working again. And so, yeah, those people gave me a $40 tip on a 45 minute call. And it's just, it's cool. Right. And it's not just about the tip, but the fact that they're so thankful for this thing to be working now all of a sudden. Uh, yeah, that's, that's my favorite part of the job too. And it's something we don't get to see a ton on the finish because we come into our fixtures kind of before all the touch-ups are done. So we don't get to see the completely finished product, but that's where I kind of find my fulfillment out of work too, is just doing those, those troubleshoots, those fixes. Yeah, man. If there's two things I kind of pulled out of that as well, not mm -hmm. just kind of the way that people have like that instant gratification or like, obviously when people are thankful right away, mm -hmm. it's also that it's funny. I found it funny how you, you sit, I just picture someone who thinks that just like their problem is just their, like their own problem. Like, like you've never seen it before. Oh, like yeah. they're like, I have no idea how to fix this. We've been <laughs> YouTubing it for 45 minutes. Yeah. And that leads me to the next thing, which is like, man, just trust a skilled laborer when they're doing their job or trust anybody when they're doing their own job, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's funny. It's those jobs that you never, you will never hear a complaint about the billing or anything. You never hear a complaint. That's usually when you get the tips. Like sometimes other people, you'll they'll call you in to do a job that realistically they can do, like changing out a light fixture or changing out a plug, right? And they'll see us do it and they'll go, wow, that was like really easy. Like, what am I paying for? And I'm like, well, you're paying for four years of schooling, 6,800 hours of on the tools experience just to get your ticket. So that's, that's what you're paying for this accumulated knowledge. Like that's how I make it look this easy. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But you only get that, that reaction when it's something that realistically like a, a homeowner can do, but when you, you kind of solve, solve a circuit, like, like electricians, I, I can't remember what site we were on, but somebody called, somebody called the electricians just, they were just like, Oh, those guys are just the fucking wizards on site. <laughs> All of a sudden lights would come on. Right. And so that, that term stuck with me forever. Like me and a couple of my buddies who are electricians, we, we call each other that all the time. But, um, but when you get that kind of look in somebody's eyes, like, Holy cow, like, how did you do that? Um, then nobody ever questions the billing. They're like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. Like there's a reason why you guys went to school, learned all this stuff, but yeah, yeah you're, you're completely right. It's funny. It's funny because, uh, I even had like, this was just like some small drywall patches I did. Mm -hmm. It was one of our neighbors. We just, I came in, you did the wiring there. You did the circuits there. Oh yeah. You got to fix all the holes that I put in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I've made my own holes as well. Right. But yeah. It was funny because the first day I was there, I smashed out, there was a fireplace in the back corner and I smashed it all out. And then she was kind of looking just at the studs and the insulation. And she's going, um, like, are you going to be able to blend this into like the old wall? And mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, for sure. Of course we will. Like yeah. that's yeah, of course. And so I did the drywall patch that day, but obviously it wasn't like the mudding wasn't done or anything like that. Right. And so she's looking at it and she's kind of feeling it. She's like, yeah, it feels pretty flat, but there's like a crack down the middle. Yeah. I go, oh yeah. Like we're going to have our drywaller come by and he's going to do all the mudding in the house. Like he'll whip it up way faster than I can. Like I, I can do the drywall patches, no problem, but he'll do all the mudding and sanding and everything. It'll, it'll take him like a couple of like hours. So it'll be fine. He just has that to dry overnight. That mudding and taping, I remember before, like in electrical school, we had like, so in the trades building, it was mainly electrical, but there were other trade certifications in there. And like <laughs> over the toilet paper, it was just like drywall tickets. <laughs> 
throat and pointing to the pointing to toilet paper. But now you know what? After being like having years in the trades, that was when I was a first year apprentice, so I thought it was hilarious. But um, now being in the trades, like mutters and tapers, that there is an absolute art to that, especially the guys who can match textures. Um, like we've got a guy who we use for all of our calls who just specifically matches textures and it's incredible. You'll never see a patch ever. So there's, there's a lot of skill in all those different areas of the trades too. I mean, there's people who aren't as skilled who do it, but, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of skill in those trades. Yeah. Well, it's just funny to see someone be absolutely blown away by what we see every single day. Totally. Yeah. I completely agree. Like you said, like when to them, it's this anomaly, like there's no way that this can be fixed. And you're like, no, no, like this is really standard procedure. Don't worry. We'll take care of this. Like this is what we do. And it's, yeah, I agree. It's funny to see kind of the reactions to that. And, and when they're trying to stress that, no, trust me, this is something completely out of the ordinary. It's like, nope, don't worry about that. So I was also going to ask, so I kind of mentioned your um, your journaling and kind of your working out, but do you want to kind of break down what kind of routines that you stick to, to kind of keep that balance and what kind of benefits do you find from them? Cause I found specifically your journaling to be really interesting. It was something that I probably did as a kid here or there, but I'm, I, you know, it's not something that I ever kept up. Um, but it's something that I think is really interesting. I wanted to kind of hear your breakdown on it. If you're, if you're open to talking about it. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a weird story how I started it. Uh, essentially what happened was I was working at a job and uh, I was, yeah, I used to work in a gym. I was, uh, I was a manager at the gym. I mainly did a lot of sales. I, you know, trained and developed a sales team and I knew I was going to quit because I just didn't really like working for a company that I, I didn't feel like I could, own the business one day or own a business in that industry. I just kind of was annoyed with not having any autonomy with my schedule. I didn't really feel like I was in control of anything. I always had to answer phone calls at like 1130, 12 o'clock at night. Like there was just a lot of weird things about the job. I just, it was a fun job. I made good money and I had a lot of fun. I made, I met a lot of people and I made a lot of great friends, but I, it just wasn't for me. Yeah. And you had that ceiling on yourself, right? Like there was kind of a cap as how far you could go. I can co- totally relate to not wanting to stick into a field if it was like that. Yeah. And it just kind of felt like it was a system for me. Like it was kind of just like repetitive. I felt like it was just kind of, here's your sales target, try and hit the sales target. And I knew what would work and I knew how I could motivate people. And it was just kind of like a system. And if you went in and you did you know, X, Y, and Z every single day, you'd close X amount of deals most of the time. And it was just kind of a game of numbers all the time. And it just kind of got monotonous. Whereas one thing I've really appreciated about the trades, especially in renovations, is it's different every single day. Like you literally watched this morning how I how I literally learned how to do something. Like that's so sick. It's so fun. Yeah, it's it's great to kind of learn new things. And what I was wondering was, so that, that journaling kind of came about from almost from like a darker place. Like, were you feeling like you had to kind of get it out? Was it kind of a, a form of therapy for you or like, have, have yeah. you kept up with the journaling nowadays? Yeah. So now I'm journaling more than ever actually, which is pretty sick. But the way I started was I had given quite a lot of notice at this job because I really like my bosses and they treat me extremely well. 
Right. So, that's good. yeah, I wanted to give them fair notice and, and be able to have a manager there to replace me and not leave the gym without a manager. And so for my last month, we, uh, we did pretty well. And in my spare time, just managing the gym, I'd get there early and I went to Walmart that was right beside us. Mm -hmm. I bought a journal and I would sit in my office in the gym when I had spare time, obviously never when I would be on the clock and I would just write about (laughs) things that I would do if I had free time because I was working a lot and I was just kind of craving having like some sort of a free time. And I was like, you know what, if I had free time, I just started writing down a bunch of ideas, different things that I would do so that I would actually feel good about myself. If I was just like having free time as opposed to just sitting around chilling out, watching Netflix all the time. I wanted to be able to keep myself busy and keep myself feeling good. Yeah. So I would write down things like I would go to X, Y, and Z place. I would go for, I would work out twice a day. I would learn a new language. I would, you know, I just wrote down a bunch of different ideas and then it started becoming like, what would make me a little bit happier? What would make me feel a little bit more fulfilled in my life? Like what kinds of things bug me about my life a lot? And what are some steps that I could do to start changing that? And it just started becoming like almost like a dear diary at that point, Mm -hmm. because I wanted to pay attention as well to my habits. I was kind of in a really weird spot in my head where I was kind of, I felt like I was happy but I wasn't actually like fulfilled. I, and I noticed like the biggest uh, concern for me was kind of being uncomfortable when I was being alone. I don't know. We're about to dive right into my feelings, man. You just opened up <laughs> a labyrinth here. You know what? That, uh, you know what? As, as far as you want to go, that's totally fine. But I, what I really find interesting is that you kind of laid out those set of goals for yourself. Do you ever go back and kind of reread through what you used to write? Um. Not when I first started, because I've already filled that book. I'm, I'm on, I think, my third notebook now. Yeah. This one I started this January, like halfway through this Jan- January 21st was when I started this one. And I'm almost done it. I'm yeah, that's incredible. That's a lot of writing. Yeah. And so a lot of the times now, it's just to organize my thoughts. And mm-hmm. I was going to kind of say this as well. We were talking before about, about journaling during bad times versus during good times. Yep. And I find that, you know, when I'm in kind of a rough headspace in my bad times, it's more like I was speaking about earlier. It's more about like, what's really bugging me about my life? Like, why did I react to this conversation this way? Or why did I react at work a certain way? Like I would kind of try and analyze my life and be a little bit more dear diary Whereas I find when I'm in a good headspace, in a productive headspace, when I'm writing in my journal, it's just almost like organizing my thoughts or making to-do lists for the day, for the week. That's great. And do you find that like having that structure laid out really helps you? I wouldn't even say it's like a structure. It's just kind of like a natural, like when my, my brain is in a good headspace, it's like kind of just more about organizing my thoughts as opposed to analyzing them. Oh, okay. Well, that's awesome. Cause I'm, I kind of really, I really enjoy structure with a lot of that kind of stuff. Like it's funny because my wife would probably say the exact opposite, but if you look in my tool bag, for example, everything has a pouch, like everything has to go in a certain pouch. I have to have everything a certain way, but it's only like that for certain things in life. So it's my goalie gear. So my hockey gear has to have be right in slot. Otherwise I'm going to go crazy. My tools, and yeah, that's pretty much about it. Everything else is a mess. Like <laughs> I've got yeah. like notebooks over here. If I were to spin my laptop around, I've got 
all my homework for my FSR course everywhere right now. And then all this podcast stuff, but it's, it's interesting. Like I'm kind of picking your brain because it's something that I, I think that I should do and I'm going to try doing it's just for me kind of getting into a habit and then sticking to it is the tricky part. It's, it's just developing those habits, which I, I think is the hardest part for everybody. But I think that's, that's really interesting and that you do it through good times and bad times, I think is really, really interesting too. And that you've noticed different behaviors in both. Yeah. I think like one of the, one of the biggest things for me to start journaling was I, uh, one of my bosses, I really, really looked up to He's pretty successful guy. And I remember him saying to me one time that like, there's two behaviors or activities that super success, successful and rich people. I really was driven by money a lot of the time in my, in my twenties, but he said, there's two behaviors that very successful and rich people do. And the first one's meditate and the second one's journal. And I really suck at meditating that, but I can journal. So that's what I focus on. Now. I can tell watching you like s- sitting still is a hard thing. And it's the same thing with me. Like I, I can't sit still either. If I'm, if I'm kind of still in one place, I've got to be doing something. And so like that lately for me has been filled by reading. I, like I was talking about it the other day, but I, in the past, like three months, I've probably crushed or two and a half to three months. I've crushed about five novels and that's wow. a way higher pace than I'd ever been doing before. Um, so now, like I said, I'm trying to get back into the routine of mixing and working out at the same time. Cause I just found that reading started to eat up all of my, my workout time in the mornings. So I'm mm. going to try to mix it in 50, 50, but I've found such a different mental clarity. Like it almost sounds the same kind of kind of clarity that you're getting with journaling, but I've get, I'm starting to get it out of writing. I even find that my kind of verbal, my, I don't know, just, just my, my overall vocabulary has improved my cognitive ability. I feel like has improved. Like I'm able to kind of listen and follow along with broader or deeper stories. Now, if that makes any sense, I never used to be able to. And, but now I'm trying to kind of just pick from other people kind of different things that they do. And the journaling, as soon as you started mentioning journaling at work, honestly, it kind of piqued my interest. And I thought, uh, I just think that's a cool way to go about it. Like, and a cool way to organize your thoughts. It's something that I'm definitely going to give a shot here in the future. Yeah, man. I feel like it's funny because I feel like I'm a CEO when I do it sometimes, like, especially when I was working at the gym and I had my own office and I came in every single day and put my bags down Mm -hmm. and like took my book out. And I'd even have people, they're like, what are you writing down? I'm like, it's my business. (laughs) Like I would just, I would just like kind of, I would fuck with people, you know, like I would just bullshit them. And like people are like, whoa, that's cool. But it's funny how like, I don't know if you were anything like me growing up, man. But these are definitely behaviors where I'd be like, what a fucking nerd. Like, that's how I used to think. (laughs) And I and now I'm I'm literally like I brag about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I never would have. I never would have talked about journaling before. That's for sure. Like I, I was always kind of big into reading, especially when I was out of town, because there was literally nothing else to do. So that's something mm-hmm. I've, that's something I've found. And I've kind of tried to repick up because I loved it so much. But yeah, I never would have talked about journaling ever. That would have been totally, completely nerdy to me. But it's something that I'm interested in now. And even uh, my buddies laugh at me still. They're like, Oh, you write in a diary. I'm like, dude, of course not. I'm making <laughs> plans. Well, I mean, I've told you, you have already have the ability to say no, which was way farther than me at 25. So, you know, the journaling, you're farther ahead than me at 25 as well. So give them a few years, maybe they'll come around. That's okay, dude. You were further along than me in your trade, man. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like first, second year apprentice. And I'm just like, 
Yeah. I feel like an idiot sometimes at work. Oh, you never do. You know what I've like, what's interesting is, you know, we are apprentices like, well, you know, our one apprentice who's on site, who is on Vine today, he's 38 and he's a first year, uh, but he's doing really well. He's just, you know, it's kind of when you get to that age, it's tough to kind of break away for school. So hopefully he's going to just challenge his kind of IP at some point because he's going to have enough knowledge. Um, but like working in oil field, man, like we'd have apprentices who were in their 50s, who were in their 40s, like second, maybe third year sometimes. But guys who would kind of get blindsided in the middle of life, whatever, like their sector just went away. And then they had to kind of learn something that they could learn on the fly, make money at the same time. So you're definitely not late by any means. Like, don't worry about that. 25 is a great age to kind of be a, I guess you'd technically be a third year if you already have your two years under your belt, eh? Yeah, I, I would say, I, I kind of say I'm like a first or a second year as well, because uh, like I said, I'm not really applying a lot of the knowledge I learned in school to what I'm working on now. Like it, it helps me like in theory, but yep. you and I both know that you're just knowing something from a book and then actually performing the act, especially in a house that's a hundred years old. It, it, I feel like in this job, I'm just learning so much. I feel like it's like a lot of the times it's like one step forward, two steps back. But I just understand like you kind of almost have to have thick skin the same way. Like if someone was talking shit to you all the time, like that's kind of how I look at work sometimes. It's like it's just going to keep fucking you over until you can somehow learn how to fix the puzzle. That's basically the way I look at it. Oh yeah, man. For there's, there's a first few years, you got to just literally put your head down and kind of just push forward. Like there's, there's no other way out. It just keep staring at the ground and just push. And that that's how I felt through, through a lot of the first few years, kind of any time that I hit a new challenge, a new obstacle. So whether it was again, then going out of town or starting my apprenticeship, you know, any of those big kind of new experiences, I've always kind of faced it the same way. I just put my head down and try to push. <laughs> like at least that way I'm pushing uphill. I'm moving towards my target. Um, but yeah, I, I completely, I understand. And I was also wondering like dealing with kind of those bad days. I mean, we all have them. I think you probably have more of them at the beginning than you do kind of later on. Um, but do you find that like kind of these routines, so whether it be working out, running, journaling like does that really help to kind of balance you out when you do have those bad days yeah i i was uh i was trying to think today i was thinking about this actually because this morning really tested my patience man and (laughs) i was (laughs) yeah yeah i was really thinking about it actually today like i said i do my best thinking when i'm working physically man but i was thinking about it today and i was thinking about what keeps me kind of sane when i have those moments and because I don't know if you noticed, but I just laughed it off. Like it actually, it really didn't bother me that much until afterwards I was thinking about how long it took me to do it. Oh, and- I, I was the same way looking at my task today after, after going through the, uh, the inspection and having a few alterations that we had to do. I was the same way. Like I, I try not to let it get me down too much. But um, yeah, I was thinking about what keeps me balanced, man. And I think it's like, kind of a combination of three different hobbies like you're saying like it's working out and then carpentry and then as well journaling and reading as well i've tried to pick up and i'm going to pick your brain about reading in a second i had a couple questions i was going to ask you but it comes down to having three main hobbies i feel like one that you can make money in uh one of them that kind of keeps you active and one of them that keeps you like either humble or learning Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of why like i feel like the way that I've kind of got my life set up with kind of 
doing a work one workout every single day try and either journal or read every single day and obviously i work five days out of the seven now so i feel like having that kind of balance in life where there's always something like it's almost like a combination of all three sometimes especially at work because you're learning you're humble and you're being active yeah you know it's interesting like i've found I'm trying to rework in kind of the active portion of it. Obviously our, our job is fairly physical, but, but it's still, it's not the same, you know? And so what I've been doing is I've been getting back into hockey. Obviously it was shut down for quite a while with COVID, but once a week, it's been nice. Cause it's also nice to kind of work out that aggression sometimes too, mm-hmm. in a competitive, competitive environment. So even though it's not like I'm playing high level hockey by any chance, it's beer league, it's, pretty garbage hockey to be honest but it's just a blast to get out there and play and kind of compete and i agree just blow off steam and that's the same kind of thing why i want to get back into the gym more often too because i find that i find that you just kind of feel tense through your whole body like it's you just can never kind of get relaxed get comfortable i really like to kind of work out work out a bit of that aggression too yeah and i especially find that like if you if you are somebody like me who has a tough time focusing or sitting still definitely when you work out before you have to do those things it's going to help you out quite a bit like i always try and like if i'm gonna have to read during the day or journal then i work out beforehand so then at least i'm a little bit more tired and i can sit still for it yeah that's a that's a really good pointer too i like that um and so you said you had a few questions about books or reading or what were you going to pick my brain about yeah you said you crushed five books man what what was the best one what would you recommend oh man well okay so it really depends on what you're into but what i like to do is i switch up fact fiction fact fiction it just kind of keeps me engaged i find that if i'm if i'm reading something that like i really like um history kind of between the 30s and end of the 40s kind of that whole pre and mid and post world war ii era it's kind of my favorite thing to read about but um but then if I'm just reading books that are all history based, I, I kind of will get bored after a while. I need a narrative story, something that kind of has a clear cut beginning, middle and end. And so that's why I'll mix in fiction throughout the way, too. But I think the best book that I've read. I don't know, it's it's brutal, but uh, is The Rape of Nanking. It's about kind of pre. Basically, just pre World War Two and the Japanese invasion of Manchuria and China. And man, like, it's so heavy. Okay, so the the author, Iris Chang, she ended up killing herself a few years after she published the book, just because the things that she read, the things she learned about, and a lot of the stuff that she actually put out into common knowledge was never, was basically just covered up by the Japanese in the past. Same with the Americans, because as you'll read in the book, there's another book that I read that's just, it's brutal. But anyway, it has to do with the Rape of Nanking. Um, but they, the Americans covered it up because they wanted a lot of their scientific data that they collected on testing on the Chinese. And so anyway, all of this information got kicked under, under the rug. Like if I ask you about what was Jap- Japan's role in World War II, what is the, literally the only thing that comes to mind? I'd say 90% of people, including myself, would say they allied with Nazis and bombed Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor, right? So they they hit Pearl Harbor and they got hit by at Hiroshima and Nagasaki, right? With the two mm-hmm. atomic bombs. That's it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So you're kind Anyways, of what were they called? Like big big boy and oh uh little, little boy and fat boy, I think it was. Little boy and fat boy, yeah. I, I think, think so. Right. Um, but anyway, so it kind of you really feel almost like 
Um, they were mostly victims in the world war. At least that's the kind of feeling that I got. Like, obviously they initiated it with Pearl Harbor, but then it kind of, it sounds like it's a really heavy handed response, which in all fairness it is, but these books, they're, they're incredible, man. It kind of shows the pitfalls to that extreme kind of extreme imperialist ideology. And that just that ultra nationalism, a lot of the same kind of thing that was going on with fascism in, in Nazi Germany, but it's a different spin on it. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's an incredible book. So the rape of Nanking, anyway, if you're into history, it's a heartbreaking book. It's a hard read, but it's really good. And then uh, station 11 by Emily Mandel, I think it is. She's a Canadian author and it's, it's set in this post post pandemic time where basically this, this virus kills, I think, 98% of the population, but it's just such a cool book. It's really, I don't know, it doesn't, it just follows this art troupe as they're basically going through kind of post-apocalyptic North America. They're coming kind of up the eastern seaboard, the eastern coast of the US and Canada. Um, but it's just such a cool twist on it because there's kind of an artsy feel to it with the, the fact that they're an acting troupe. They're kind of like a traveling a traveling play they just entertain whoever is left in these small towns and then they're looking for civilization but it's an incredible book i yeah i couldn't recommend it enough those two i think are probably two of the best um but yeah it really depends on what you're into i i recommend to people especially for the first book if they're looking at getting back into it is pick something that you know you're going to be really glued into because it just once you start to kind of knock pages down then it becomes a habit then you really start to feel accomplished but it's getting into that first book that is the hardest part yeah man i uh i keep getting into the habit and getting out of it I, yeah i've been it's, like really trying for the last couple of years and i've been reading more than i've ever read to be honest yep but i just keep falling off man yeah it's it's difficult. Um, I'm trying to think what was the first book that I did? You know what? The first book that I did getting back into this was uh, Station Eleven. So that book I found was really incredible. It moves at a pretty good pace. It's not a difficult read by any means, um, but it's just really interesting. And I found that it tied into just kind of what we're going going off of now, kind of the way the way people are a little bit more isolated, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of got that post-apocalyptic feel, not, not in real life. I mean, I think a lot of the COVID fear has kind of died down a little bit, or at least it's kind of, we've come to realize it a little bit better. It's not the end of the world. Well, they just put new restrictions on today. Oh, never mind. It is the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I really do. I, yeah. That station 11 book is incredible. It, it's, it was something that was easy enough to read and, uh, and yeah, it just kind of, it got that momentum rolling for me. That's sick, man. I actually, I wrote that down. That was the, the first thing I wrote down actually just right now. Oh I, yeah. I, I, I remember you saying the book last time as well during my episode as well. Yeah. I yeah. I wrote that down on a post-it note, but I'm, I feel like that's part of the problem is I haven't been reading a lot of uh, like nonfiction. I've been reading, or I mean, I've been reading a lot of nonfiction. Yeah. I haven't been reading enough novels. And that's, again, that's what kind of, I, I specifically chose, um, you know, a fictional story for my first one, just because I wanted to kind of just get that repetitive motion down again. And I find it's easier to follow a narrative storyline that way. Like you're always kind of, it's a, it's a page turner type thing. You want to see where the story goes. Um, so that's what I found. And then I've, I mean, I've read a bit of a couple of heavier ones too, but, but those ones have been really good. And I think if you read those two, you'd really kind of get into that rhythm again. Um, but yeah, I, 
those two, I'm just sorry. I'm looking over at my bookcase. That's why I keep looking at the right. Um, no, I figured that. But yeah, yeah, those two are really good. If, if I was going to recommend any books to kind of get into the, the rhythm of doing that, I would do those. And I mean, you gain so much out of reading. It's not just kind of the knowledge that you pick up out of the pages. It's like I said, it's your vocabulary. It's just your, you know, your, the way that you can understand language a little bit better. I find it's, it's carrying conversations a little bit. I don't know. I just, I really have found a lot of, a lot of improvements that I've gained just through reading. Yeah. And I noticed that when I read and journal more, I, um, I'm able to pay attention more easily. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said, I, I kind of feel just in cognitive ability following uh, kind of conversations kind of as they go through their arc. And then I was also wondering, another question was, have you experienced burnout? Uh, I mean, it sounds like you probably did from those three months of seven days a week working like that would burn just about anybody out. I think the longest I did even working out of town straight was 21 days. And I know just from 21 days, I was burnt like i had nothing left in the tank i can't imagine at three months what you were going through at that point yeah i was pretty burnt out <laughs> i uh the, the i feel like there's a there's a difference though because i wasn't doing the same job every single day i was working at a restaurant on the weekends and to be fair it's not the hardest job or the most stressful job for a 25 year old guy to be surrounded by you know people partying pretty much the entire time and you know, pretty girls. It was pretty sick for, for me. And, Sounds like a pretty decent job. Yeah, it was, it was all right, man. And that being said, what started to get me to burn out was working the nights. And oh, I believe I, that, you know, I'd be up until one o'clock, two o'clock by the time I'd actually fall asleep because I get off around 1231 and then I, you know, takes me a while to be able to simmer down after and go to sleep. And then during the week, I'm up at 4.30, 5 o'clock. So it's like that transition from Sunday to Monday where I'm sleeping like three hours, that was what burned me out. Yeah. So, sorry. Nope, go ahead. I was just going to say where where I kind of was able to kind of counteract that was I started switching my workouts up into the middle of the day. So it would carry me through that kind of like feeling where I would need a nap. I just blast myself with some pre-workout and go in the gym. And that was kind of what would carry me over. But after like weeks and weeks of not getting proper sleep, like even a couple of days out of the week, it really knocked me off my game. Man. Yeah. But I mean, like I did find it interesting that one of the lessons you pulled out of that was the ability to say no, because you're almost kind of forced to at that point, just to conserve whatever energy you had left, I imagine. But that's a good lesson moving forward. You know, at least now you're comfortable saying no. I think that's, I think that's great to kind of pull whatever you can out of the experiences in life. Yeah, man. It, it it became pretty apparent like a, at least like a month and a half in I was because uh, you know my buddies are obviously going to still go out at night and I'm still getting up at five o'clock in the morning and at some point you're like sorry dude I gotta sleep yeah. like I'm just you go out have fun man tell me all about it hey was it different than last weekend <laughs> no yeah oh, okay cool then I'm not gonna feel bad that I'm missing it to be more effective at work and learn faster so yeah. I can stop feeling like an idiot. Yeah. And you never want to hit that kind of breaking point of where you're really, it's, it's so hard to get back on track once you really hit that, that level of exhaustion. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think that's great. I think that's great that you pulled that lesson out of it and the ability to say no now. 
So I, uh, I know that we've, we've gone about 45 minutes. I think that's, that's a great length. And if anybody does want to listen to a longer in-depth conversation that we've had, go to your podcast by all means, because we talked for what, like an hour and 40 minutes last time. Yeah. I think it was somewhere around there. Yeah, that was great. And I know we've both been up early today, so I don't, don't want to drag it on too late for you. Um, I know I got to get to bed as well, but maybe kind of go through your plugs, um, drop your channels, and I really encourage people to check you out. I think my favorite thing that you said right off the bat of this podcast was kind of that the theme of your podcast is reminding people that they're not alone and that you really focus on the mental health aspect, and which I think is amazing. I think that's awesome. Yeah, so... If you like, if you're down with that, it's uh, available on every single podcast platform. It's available on Spotify. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube. Uh, as a podcast, it's known as Hey Mark on YouTube. You can find it as Mark D. Henny, like the drink. And that's pretty much how you can find me on any social media platform. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me, Zach. It was a pleasure. Honestly, uh, I'm pretty fired up. I don't even know how you're going to go to sleep right now. I'm <laughs> And now I, I just got like this rush of energy right at the end. But I uh, I hope that, you know, maybe another apprentice will hear this and feel like they're like, man, I'm not the only guy that feels like an idiot at work all the time. Like, I, I, that's kind of like my hope with this. I hope that someone's able to hear that and just feel like, man, okay, I can keep pushing at this because Mark feels like an idiot as well. <laughs> oh, trust me, I've, I've kind of conveyed that I felt like an idiot, especially at the beginning too, a lot of times. Um, and I just encourage anybody too, if you're interested in, like I was talking to Mark earlier, but he does he does these little like, you know, six to 10 minute hit episodes kind of at least once a week. And I find they're awesome. Like if you just need kind of a quick pep talk, he goes through whatever, whether it's like kind of cleaning up after yourself or cleaning up your general area, even if it wasn't your mess, like just little little bits of lessons that I find are really applicable to everyday life. Uh, definitely check him out. Again, it's a focus on um, kind of mental health and it's, it's great. I honestly, I recommend it. Absolutely. So that's Hey Mark on any of the podcast platforms and uh, yeah, man, I think that's great. I really appreciate it. The pleasure is all mine and uh, we'll have to do this again. Absolutely. hundred percent, man. You're welcome back on my show literally anytime. All right, everyone, that's it for today. I hope you found some value in this week's episode. If you did and are interested in more content like this, please rate, comment, subscribe, and recommend the podcast to a friend. I really appreciate all the feedback you've given me to this point and look forward to hearing from you again. As always, the podcast page is The Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Facebook and at Jacket Plaid on Twitter. That concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for the continued support and especially to those of you who reach out weekly with comments on each episode. Have a great week and I'll talk to you all again soon.